0: Kaylee, your excitement is showing. I know. It's literally oozing out of every pore. And as you know, and our regular listeners know, Jurassic Park is my
1: favorite movie of all time. No surprise there. So much so that dinosaurs is part of your whole persona, right? I mean, dare I say it's part of your DNA? (laughs) Nah, that's accurate. Let me lay this out for our listeners. Not only does Kaylee have a coach tote with a stegosaurus on it, she also has a wallet with dinosaurs all over, and she has a growing closet of dinosaur shirts, dresses, and jewelry. Guilty. And she managed to convince her day job at the Arizona Republic to allow her to do a whole podcast on Arizona dinosaurs.
0: Also true. And it came out really well, if I do say so myself.
1: And I highly recommend you all listen. Don't fear, we'll share the link on our website and on socials. But back to the main event. If you can't tell by now, we're reviewing Jurassic World Dominion, the epic conclusion of the Jurassic World trilogy.
0: She's Tuesday. I'm Kaylee. Hold on to your butts. This is Whiskey and Popcorn.
1: Okay, I definitely think you should break down the synopsis for us.
0: With pleasure. And listeners, I do plan to go deep and nerdy on this one, which means that there will be spoilers. Okay, with that disclaimer out of the way, let's dive in. Dominion rounds out Jurassic World, the whole series, like we said. In this film, dinosaurs are no longer confined to a tropical island. Not only have they hopped to the mainland, courtesy of the previous Fallen Kingdom, they have now spread throughout the world. There's numerous human-dinosaur interactions that show all the problems of living with prehistoric creatures, as well as questions about humanity's responsibility to these animals. The black market for dinosaurs is also booming. And this is when we meet Claire, played by Bryce Dillon Howard. She's on this very indie shoestring operation to bust up illegal dinosaur breeding farms. Meanwhile, Chris Pratt's Owen Grady is in the Rockies, wrangling a herd of parasaur on horseback. Uh, It's quite the the scene. (laughs) Maisie Lockwood, she's the girl from Fallen Kingdom, is hiding with Owen and Claire in this remote cabin in the Rockies. She's a genetic creation herself that's even more valuable than the dinosaurs. She's the first human clone, but with corrected DNA to get rid of any hereditary diseases that her mother
1: had. Okay, okay. That's already a lot. I get it but we still have the OG cast to line up. Starting, obviously, with Laura Dern's character, Dr. Ellie Sattler. She's no longer just a paleontologist. She had moved on to study large environmental systems. And she's been tracing the origins of a very frightening creature. I'm talking scary. Genetically modified locusts. So picture a locust, but like 10 times bigger. These things are huge so gross oh they're literally skin crawling if you see it on the big screen so it turns out that these bugs have cretaceous dna in them and she's determined to track down the source of these super bugs they're literally destroying farms so she digs up eh, more or less dr alan grant who's still a paleontologist digging up fossils (laughs) i see what she did there (laughs) and You know, I just
0: kind of love the fact that Dr. Grant is sticking to his guns. I mean, there's dinosaurs running around the world, and he'd still rather be in some hole out in the
1: middle of nowhere digging up prehistoric fossils. Well, you know men and their habits. (laughs) Ellie convinces Dr. Grant to join her on infiltrating Biosyn, a genetic research company that's sort of like InGen from the original story, but actually, a competitor. So, think, you know, old rich guy with too much money. Working at Biosyn, but without much buy in, is Ian Malcolm, AKA Mr. Sexy Black Shirt. Jeff Goldblum slips right into the character so well. <laughs>
0: but we still haven't gotten to the crux of the actual story yet.
1: Okay, okay, it's a lot to set up. I know.
0: <laughs> so, let's put a bow on the synopsis. Long story short, Biosyn is looking for both Maisie, that girl who's now a teenager because she's this amazing clone of her mother, but they're also hunting for Blue's baby.
1: Oh my gosh, seriously? Another character.
0: I know, I know, but chill. I mean, fans should remember Blue, Owen's favorite velociraptor. She's actually living near Owen's remote cabin in the Rockies. I'm not entirely sure how she got there or why. But even more interestingly, she's managed to self-reproduce. So in essence, her baby, named Beta, is a clone as well. And so Biosyn manages to kidnap both Macy and Beta and take them to their HQ in the Dolomites Mountains in Italy, where there's a dinosaur sanctuary that Biosyn set up. Oh, and our favorite genetic scientist, Dr. Wong, is there too, of course.
1: Oh, gotta love BD. (laughs) So should we do a trailer snippet?
0: Let's do it.
1: You didn't come out all this way just to catch up now, did you? You coming or what?
0: We're racing toward the extinction of our species. We not only lack dominion over nature, subordinate to it.
1: Now that we got that out of the way, our actual review. Obviously I'm going to you, my friend. What were your initial thoughts on Dominion?
0: I liked it. Uh, It did what I wanted it to do, which was give me a fun summer blockbuster with dinosaurs. Does it rank as high as the original Jurassic Park? No. But did I like it? Yes. And it's almost not fair to compare. It's hard to capture the wow factor of being six years old and seeing dinosaurs on the big screen, but I love seeing Ellie and Dr. Grant and Ian Malcolm again. I really love seeing a whole new range of dinosaurs. We had everything from Quetzalcoatlus, the most terrifying pterosaur in my book. This thing is enormous and freaky, to the Therizinosaurus, the giant clawed nightmare. Really, it's the Edward Scissorhands of the dinosaur world. Um, (laughs) And then we have a new apex predator, Giganotosaurus. Some people say Giganomotosaurus. Basically, take gigantic and saurus and smoosh them together. (laughs) It's obviously a mediating dinosaur, and it gives T-Rex a run for its money. Okay,
1: I'm not going to lie. I'm really impressed you pronounced all those names. Well, I never
0: grew out of the dinosaur phase. But what about you twos?
1: Thoughts, reactions? Super in line with you. I thought it was a beautiful culmination of all of the stories. I know you and I joked, we don't really talk about the third Jurassic Park film, and we kind (laughs) of don't really talk about the second Jurassic World, but this one having OG characters, the newer characters, and then brand new characters, it felt really full force, full circle, and my threshold for action is not huge, but when it's a dinosaur chasing a car, it's a lot more fun. And just the aspects we can do with CGI nowadays, there were times I had jump scares, I cringed. I mean, you get up close and center with these dinosaurs and it's just, it's so fun.
0: Mm, mm-hmm. You know, like I said, there's a lot of new dinosaurs to meet And there's this very interesting scene where they're in Malta and they're essentially in this underground market, a bazaar. There's all sorts of things going on. It felt almost very like Indiana Jones-esque where you have people cooking things. I think they were dinosaur pieces. Uh, They have little dinosaurs for sale here and there and in cages. And then they have like this dinosaur fighting ring, sort of like dog fighting, all these sort of seedy characters. And I saw so many dinosaurs in there that I recognize, but I don't even know what the names are. It's just kind of wild what they were able to cram into like that scene. It was a very, I would say production-wise, kind of chaotic. You know, these market scenes are not easy to pull off. And then you got to put in CGI dinosaurs. (laughs) It's just really impressive. So just like that note to detail um, was really good.
1: But I really liked that. It felt very authentic. You know, we have these situations where all of a sudden dinosaurs are integrating with us. And what does that look like when we have dinosaurs walking with elephants or terrorizing us like seagulls on a beach? And they do really well at portraying that. And the authenticity of the CD underbelly that always happens with new situations, new populations, things like that. To say it was really nice to see a kind of coalition of whistleblowers that knew that Biosyn was doing something wrong and being there to try to help fix and remedy the problem.
0: Right. The more I think about the film and kind of sit with it, the more I actually really appreciate that, you know, it was taking the story and advancing it. It wasn't like Jurassic World 1, where it was essentially a mirror of Jurassic Park. It felt like a lot of the times, act for act, (laughs) very similar. They were able to take these characters, both old and new, and push them into new situations. It might be a little hard to accept at first, because for diehard fans, you know, you're very attached to the original story and the idea of being trapped on this island and electrified fences and whatnot. Again, there's no beating the nostalgia of Jurassic Park, but I liked to see all the characters both the humans and the dinosaurs in these new situations, like the chase scene where there are these raptors, which are described as the thoroughbreds of their kind, <laughs> are chasing both Claire and Owen through the city as they try to escape on a plane, which might be a good time to talk about a couple of the new characters, new faces that we've seen in the story. Let's start off with the pilot. Her name is Kayla Watts, played by DeWanda Wise. She is sort of like Owen in the fact that she is a veteran, but she was part of the Air Force. Owen was part of the Navy. Owen, if you will, got a civilian job that was honorable, air quotes here, because you guys can all see it in podcast land. (laughs) Whereas Kayla, she was doing basically like cargo transportation, but kind of went into the seedy underworld that would make her more money. She's the one who actually transports little baby Beta into the hands of the bad guys. Um, And she sees Maisie as well. And that's how she ends up teaming up with Owen and Claire because she did witness this exchange. And we don't know why, but she feels guilty and guilty enough to actually help. There's a lot of mystery around her character's background, but I think that's okay. You don't have to spell everything out for everybody.
1: She's definitely my breakout star for this movie. She's got that hard, badass woman vibe to her, but she obviously has that heart. She really looks out for Claire when she's in the underground market, and she ends up becoming very handy in in several of the action scenes, so she becomes... Very important and integral to the story. And then Mamadou Ati, who was Ramsey Cole, who actually helps Jeff Goldblum in the whistleblowing for Biosyn. And he's been in a handful of movies prior, and he just fit this role perfectly.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, he kind of starts off a little sus at first. Seems to be drinking the company Kool Aid pretty hard. And I think this is a good point to also bring up our true villain, played very well by Campbell Scott, but Lewis Dodson. The moment I heard his name, not Lewis, but Dodson, my ears pricked up. So, Easter egg for the keen eared superfans here. So, in the first Jurassic Park movie, if you remember, There's a scene where Dennis Nedry, uh, played by Wayne Knight, is in Costa Rica, and he's making an exchange to get several millions of dollars to smuggle the dinosaur embryos off of Jurassic Park. He gets that iconic shaving cream can that pops open. You could put the little embryos inside. The guy he meets there is the young Louis Dotson. I was just like, wait a minute, whoa, like talk about deep cut. Um, (laughs) I vaguely recall that this name appeared in the original Michael Crichton Jurassic Park book. But again, he's not like a humongous character. He's just like this shady background figure that helps move the plot along. We're, We're really, like he's like coming full circle here. So now we have the, you know, much more senior Dodson. He looks very much like, in Elon Musk or Steve Jobs, Jeff Bezos, think of any of these really entrepreneurial, rich white men with like incredible business sense and who like to get up and pontificate on bettering the world. There's always a slimy underside to this, though. Uh, <laughs> and for as much as Dodson proclaims that he's doing all those genetic research and work to, Help humanity. It's all about the bottom line. And this is kind of circling back to the giant locust. His lab is the one who created them and released them into the world. And those locusts decimate all the crops that are not from Biosyn's lab. So if you grow crops, let's just say GMOs from Biosyn's lab, they don't touch those. So it's very sinister and dark. And he really seems to have no remorse whatsoever.
1: But also he's a little socially awkward, a little absent minded, and kind of nerdy in all aspects. Yes. Like he doesn't come off as like the like a calculating villain.
0: It's like he's too smart for his own good. I also feel like he comes across slightly on the spectrum. He's not like full on autistic, but you know, he's not really reading people's emotions and registering their concerns and when mamadou's character ramsey reveals that he is the main whistleblower he's like how could you do this to me you are me you are the younger me but smarter and like you know having the dramatic villain monologue there but at the same time it was delivered in such a way that's like the sky is not connecting with human emotion which was so well done A tip of the hat to actor Campbell Scott for pulling that off. He's a new kind of villain. I mean, he's not only the rich white guy, but he's, he's our modern day kind of villain.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Dare I say timely?
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) You know, his, his response to anything that would be going on would just be, we always strive forward. And it's like, no, we need to fix these things. And it's like, nope, we just look ahead. And you're like, no, (laughs) no.
0: Let's talk about our OG characters, Sam Neill, uh, Laura Dern, Jeff Goldblum. How do you feel with them reprising their roles? Do you think that they all just really slipped back into those characters naturally? Did it feel a little stunted
1: anywhere to you? To me, it felt seamless. Just, you know, putting on those canvas pants again and and getting a little dirty. And that's what I wanted it to feel like. Mm Mm-hmm. I wanted to feel like no time had passed and now it's just time to save the next generation.
0: Yes, definitely Laura Dern and Sam Neill really embrace their characters. Even their little bit of their love story got some advancement (laughs) in this one. While Jurassic Park 3 is usually struck from my mind, we do learn that in that movie, they are not together and that Ellie had married and that she has kids. So that's where that little plot comes from i will say though i love dr malcolm jeff goldblum's character i do feel there was a slight disconnect though like they completely ignored the the character development of jurassic world where he was the lead in that one in that he was a lot less quibbling you know (laughs) like he was a little bit more on it so I don't know if that was purposeful uh, where it felt like he was very much regressed to the original Ian Malcolm from the first Jurassic
1: Park movie where he seemed a little bit more out there. He's a bit tertiary in this film and dare I say it just kind of placed as comic relief.
0: Yeah. I mean, he does, you know, get like his one really good monologue. He does have one particularly good joke where he's like, no, Not that guy. It's always him uh, referring to Dr. Wong, (laughs) which was pretty great. He does get a chance to redo his uh, distract the big dinosaur with the fiery stick. So instead of getting, you know, crushed by a bathroom, he manages to escape. But it's just a minor critique on that. Flipping over to our Jurassic World characters with Claire and Owen, Bryce and Chris Pratt. What do you think of their characters, their development uh, in this one? They're like practically a married couple, but not.
1: I do like the advancement, but I can't deny the fact that since Chris Pratt has been a character in the Jurassic World, I find Owen to be pretty corny. And I get it, you know, everyone has their little character move, but like the little hand out in front is just so unthreatening (laughs) i I mean it it just all seems kind of corny and silly
0: maybe a little overplayed
1: Uh, overplayed this
0: this, stop don't approach me
1: (laughs) yes and i have friends who work in the disney world and they say whenever jurassic's out there's always a cute little kid that does the handout and stops the dinosaur and you know like it it's cute but I don't really think that's how velociraptors would work. But nope. <laughs> um I've just I've just always kind of found him a little clunky and and it doesn't really seem genuine to the actual taming that would go on with dinosaurs.
0: I think his character was at its best in Jurassic World
1: and then after that it felt like
0: maybe a bit more pandering to the audience, pandering to the character. <laughs> he was very much In this role, again, there's a hell of a lot of characters to keep track of in this movie, too, and give them enough screen time. I felt like his character is kind of reduced in a way to sort of like this cowboy knight in shining armor role. Because like there's a moment where like he kind of rescues Laura Dern and he's played this ultra protective father figure. And, you know, sort of this like loving husband figure. And there's nothing wrong with those portrayals. It definitely worked in the film, but I still think the OG cast was much much more interesting. I want I wanted to be with them more than I did with Owen and Claire. Although Claire's character is good. And I love there's like a connection between Claire and Dr. Sattler where they basically get to like power through a high-stakes situation involving those giant locuses. And like it was a real strong like woman's moment. So I would say for the femme power in this movie, like it's really strong between the two white women, uh, you know, Maisie and then our new pilot, Kayla, who's black and fantastic. They've definitely like diversified, if you will, the heroes on the women's side, which was awesome.
1: You're right. That is exactly what Chris Pratt's character is. (laughs) Maisie was phenomenal she kind of tag teams with little baby Beta as two little orphan annies going through Biosyn. And it's, it's kind of fun to watch them pair up. Absolutely.
0: All right. Quick touch on the visuals. You were definitely mind
1: blown. It was just incredibly realistic. I just, I look forward to see where technology continues to wow us in the future with what can be portrayed on screen Mm -hmm.
0: yeah i still think they did a good job some of the dinosaurs looked better than others i still think though there's something about the original jurassic park that ages so well where it's really seamless between the animatronics and the computer where even now on you know our higher tech tv screens it's hard to tell the difference in my mind like yes if i squint and look yes it's there but it's just like so seamless i feel like still With these Jurassic World ones, it's not as seamless, like the computer is better than the animatronics that they might be using, which is kind of weird, but you want them to gel. But the scenery is gorgeous, the lab and all that architecture is fantastic. We got some great jump scares in this film as well. I think the last thing I wanted to pick on is the music because that's a huge part of Jurassic Park obviously John Williams, the original composer for the score, I have to say I hardly noticed the music in this one, which never happens with a John Williams score.
1: I'm so glad you said that because I was terrified seeing that on our lineup because I did not notice the music at all. The action was just slam packed and I guess I just didn't have the bandwidth to even comprehend the music that was going on.
0: Well, I think that's just it, because it was just so much in the background. And I know, you know, people will say that's like a sign of a good soundtrack is like you don't notice it. It's in the background. But it's a John Williams score? It's a character on its own. And unless it was some of his original themes that obviously played throughout. I just was like, I didn't notice it. And that is the biggest thing that was lacking for me in this film is the music. I I don't know what to say other than, like, I really wish John Williams just composed it. But the guy I know is rightly slowing down. Hopefully he's retired, if not semi-retired, so I'm not going to blame him for that. But, man, I
1: miss you, John Williams. Your music is the best. Okay, before we wrap this up, Kaylee, where would you rank this movie in the Jurassic Park universe?
0: That's super easy. I can go through this without even looking at my notes. <laughs> so first and foremost, Jurassic Park OG is my favorite, followed by the Jurassic World. I really liked that one as well, even though a lot of critics hated it. Jurassic Park 3, we've already said it several times. We don't talk about Jurassic Park 3. Um, <laughs> maybe I should give it another shake. So after Lost World, it would be Jurassic World because that was like, oh my gosh, we're back. And It kind of touched on that nostalgia from the first one for me. Fallen Kingdom, I saw it once. I vaguely remember it. It didn't stick with me. So Dominion moves ahead of Fallen Kingdom. And out of the two, it'd be Fallen Kingdom, then Jurassic Park 3. No offense to Sam Neill. It wasn't his fault. It just was not a very well done dinosaur
1: movie. (laughs) So what's your shot count?
0: Uh, 4.5. Four and a half shots. And this is out of five. Again, it's it's not capturing the amazing wow factor. Like Jurassic Park OG, definite double shot. Probably like a triple shot. I'd probably be on the floor. It's that good. <laughs> um, but this one, it, it ticked all the boxes for a fun summer blockbuster. Definitely fun and worth seeing again.
1: And what are you drinking?
0: I'm drinking the... Harkins themed drink of the month, which is a T-Rex arena. It's bright green. It's got a lot of yumminess in it and red Pop Rocks on the rim. So it was a lot of fun to drink and shout out to the Harkins bar uh, for coming up with this. I definitely would just go back in to buy that.
1: That's fun. I know. I saw that. It was cute. So for me, I'm doing four out of five shots. It's not the OG, still an action film but I had a whopping good time. It's uh, It sits at almost two and a half hours and it didn't feel like it whatsoever. For my drink, I'm doing a Dino Sour cocktail. Ooh. That's gonna be rum with fresh squeezed lemon juice, some simple sugar syrup, and if you're really feeling it, a pasteurized egg white top.
0: Oh, I might skip that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And that's it for Jurassic World Dominion. What do you all think about the movie? Did you love it? Hate it? Just meh? We'd love to hear from you. Follow us and share your thoughts on our socials, including Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.
0: And listen to our past reviews and stay up on the latest movie news by bookmarking our website, whiskeyandpopcorn.org. Also, look for my link to the Valley 101 episode on Arizona dinosaurs. It will be paired with this review.
1: For Kaylee, I'm Tuesday. We'll catch you at the movies. Watch Jurassic Park is frightening in the dark. All the dinosaurs are running.